Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of A Trophy Life, the official podcast of the Naismith Awards in Atlanta. This is Bob Rathbun coming to you on the road this week. I'm in Dayton, Ohio, broadcasting the basketball tournament for ESPN. Over the next several days, we have a doubleheader on Friday and a doubleheader on Saturday with the championship game next Tuesday night. TBT is the $1 million winner-take-all tournament, and we are seeing a bunch of guys that you remember as college stars who have gone on to play internationally and really getting a chance to do two things, stay in shape in the summertime, play back in the States, and be on ESPN, which is kind of cool for them and their families. And it keeps the uh, spirit alive for two different realms of teams. Number one, the college alumni team, as they put the band back together, like uh, Best Virginia's, the West Virginia alums, uh, the Blue Collar U team represents the University of Buffalo, and on and on with the alumni teams. And then you also have teams that are playing for a cause, that they are out to support a charity. Americana for Autism is one such team that has made it to Dayton. And we've had our staples over the years, uh, Team Challenge, ALS, Sideline Cancer, etc. So the guys play uh, for those causes. It's really a unique tournament. Uh, 64 teams start out, only one team gets paid when all is said and done. And so that's where I am this weekend. And I hope you tune in and see a lot of college stars that you remember. My guest this week is the the man when it comes to talking about high school basketball as we get set for 2023 and our Jersey Mike's Naismith National High School Player of the Year candidates. We'll be chatting with ESPN's Paul Biancardi. He's fresh back from Las Vegas. He was also at Peach Jam, a lot going on, and we'll get the latest from Paulie when we continue after this from Jersey Mike's. Jersey Mike's would like to dedicate the next three seconds to our new grilled portobello mushroom and Swiss sub. Trust us, it tastes good too, because fresh ingredients make a sub above. Okay, we're going to start our interview here with Paul Biancardi with an apology and an explanation. Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the all-time great people in the world. We recorded our interview for the podcast earlier this morning. And sometimes technology is not my friend, and it wasn't this morning. And we did this whole great interview for you and went to send it and nothing there. So in a panic, I call Paul back and I say, buddy, you won't believe this. And he says, no problem. So here he is, the one, the only ESPN's Paul Biancardi. Thank you, sir. How is your summer going? It's going great, Bob. I got to talk to you twice in one day. This is fantastic. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. Uh, You do so much for us at Naismith, uh, handling our Jersey Mike's Naismith National High School Boys Player of the Year, our watch lists, and you keep us updated, and we're so thankful to have you on the podcast. We thought this would be a good time because July is winding down, and that means the end of of the summer basketball season. So we wanted to get your take. You're, you're just back from Las Vegas, and we wanted to get your take on what you saw out there, a couple of names that we've read about. Of course, Bronny James, LeBron's son, and Reed Shepard, among others that you saw in Vegas. Tell us about what you did see out there. Some really strong performances, and, and Reed Shepard was the best performance among the four games 
Right now he's ranked number 28, which is incredible elite spot in the senior class. He's going to Kentucky. Just so fundamentally sound. And, Bob, you remember his dad, Jeff Shepard. Yes. The great player at Kentucky was most outstanding player, I believe, in 1998 they, in, when they won the NCAA championship and he won one in 96. But Shepard put on a show, and he did so by scoring, facilitating. He's so fundamentally sound that he can beat the opponent with footwork, you know, shot release quickness. Uh, he's, got, he's got an excellent outside shot. He, he's always looking to make the right play and the winning play. He's got great focus, and he's got, you know, really good effort, and he does it on the defensive end. He knows he's not the best athlete in the game, but that night he was the best player in the game. You talk about his dad. Uh, Jeff Shepard, of course, is an Atlanta native uh, from Marietta, was an unbelievable Georgia high school player. And yeah. uh, I believe he went to Peachtree City or McIntosh, I think. And uh, so, yeah, we know we've known Jeff uh, forever, and I can't wait to see Reed play. Uh, there is, I think, something to be said, Paul, for bloodlines. You know, these guys, these guys have pretty good role models growing up, Bronny and Reed. Absolutely, and I think it shows in the way those kids play. When I watch Bronny James, and I've been watching him and evaluating him and tracking him since as a rising freshman, you know, he's got, he's got fundamentals as well when it comes to footwork. His shot is fundamentally sound. He makes good decisions with the basketball and off the ball. And Bronny's really picked up his defensive game. I mean, he takes strong pride in, in stopping the opponent. He loves to take charges on his man, which is a hard thing to do. You've got to move your feet. You've got to beat your offensive player to the spot. And he uh, he's, he's kind of excelling in that area, kind of making a little niche for himself. And he, he's he's very good. He's very solid. Uh, some nights he can carry his team. You know, other nights he, he plays a role for his team. So I've been impressed with him because of all the pressure that he has around him being LeBron's son. And I'll tell you something that I've really noticed since day one. His eyes, Bob, are focused in on his teammates, the opposition, or his coaching staff. That's it. He doesn't look up into the crowd. He doesn't look up into the camera. And, and Bronny James has great focus for a young kid. Well, that is so encouraging to hear because if there's anybody on the planet, right, that could go the other way, you'd think it'd be a guy like Bronny. But I think he got that from his dad, too, that focus, I, concentration. Don't you? No no question. He, he got everything. I think both kids, Reed Shepard and, and Bronny James, got so much from their dads on the court with the skill and the shot and their, their handle and all those things. But I bet you uh, they've watched film together and they've also taught these kids how to act on the court. And uh, when it comes to Shepard and James, uh, these two kids are, are excellent teammates, but they play the game the right way and they look to help their team win. And that came from their, their dads and I'm sure their moms. <laughs> no doubt. I wanted to ask you about another young man that we saw in Peach Jam. Now, this is down the road a little bit, but I keep hearing about this kid from the state of Maine up in the Northeast, Cooper Flagg, and how he is starting to rise up amongst the, the class of 25. Tell us a little bit about this young man. I'm very intrigued. Oh, you should be intrigued because there's guys that have upside and then there's guys that, you know, can be special. And I think uh, Cooper Flagg is on his way to special. And you, you always want to be careful 
not to anoint guys uh, too quickly when they're young. We, we've seen that in, in my lifetime here with ESPN in the last 12 years. And, and when I was coaching, guys that got anointed early in their career and didn't pan out. But he's 6'7", highly skilled, great instincts. He can make a play anywhere on the court, whether he's facing the basket behind the arc or in the post to make a, you know, hit a cutter on the way to the basket. A shot blocker uh, at 6'7", he, he gets chased down blocks. He's aggressive on both ends of the floor, and he hits the glass. I mean, he's had games where he's had high double-figure rebounds. So he gives the game all that he has with instinct, with fundamentals. And he's coached by a former player of mine, Andy Bedard, who I recruited at Boston College, played for us for a couple of years, was part of the Big East Championship team in 1997. And Flag was was an instrumental player for USA Basketball, and they recently just won – a gold medal. So this young man has special written on him, uh, but he's, he's grounded. He's humble. You know, he doesn't believe the social media uh, about him, meaning he doesn't buy into it. He still believes there's so much that he has to do. And I think Andy Bedard, knowing Cooper flag for a long time and playing at the highest level uh, keeps him grounded. And he's 15. Is that right? He is 15 years old. He just got done playing in Spain at 15 years old. And there were times, Bob, between Spain and France and all the other teams, including USA, he was the best player on the court. So he's someone to track, to monitor, uh, and he has a tremendous special in his, in his game. When I was 15 years old, Paul, I thought it was a big deal to go to Greensboro to see the Carolina Cougars play in the ABA. That was uh, this special. This kid's going to Spain. Yeah, that was special. And, <laughs> He is special. He has, you know, when you watch him first play, the first time I watched him, it, I immediately thought of Larry Bird uh, because of the quick passing instincts, the uh, ability to rebound, because Bird was, a, as you know, a very good rebounder. Oh, yeah. And, and, and Cooper Flagg, like, he doesn't settle for threes, but he makes threes. And, you know, he, he's trying to beat you up during the game. I don't know if he's a trash talker like Larry Bird, but um, I'll tell you what, he, he reminds me of him. I'm not comparing the two. I'm just saying he reminds me of Larry Bird. Of course, I watched Bird when he played at Indiana State first. How did Cooper play at Peach Jam? He played well. I mean, he had some nights that he was terrific. Now, at the Peach Jam, Bob, he played in his age bracket. USA Basketball, he played up. He played 17 and under. So he was playing with kids that were older, bigger, stronger, faster. And like I said, at times was the best player on the court. Uh, but playing with his age group, he dominates. And, and he had a lot of dominating games at the Peach Jam. Uh, there were some games that he got double teamed and fouled all the time and couldn't really get into a rhythm. But by and large, I mean, he was the uh, best player on the court every game. Paul, there's another story that, that caught my eye, and I wanted to get your take on it because uh, as we talked this morning, there, there's many layers to this, to this. And that is the uh, announcement by Gigi Jackson the Columbia, South Carolina product, who had committed to North Carolina and then shortly thereafter changed his mind and is going to go and play for the Gamecocks uh, in his hometown of Columbia. Explain to our Naismith audience just exactly what happened here, because it's so unusual to me to see a guy commit to a, a blue blood like Carolina and then change his mind. Yeah, it's a little bit of a story, and all recruiting has stories, right? They all have backstories yeah. to them. Um, he was going to go to Frank Martin in South Carolina, and, and then when Frank was no longer the coach, 
he basically opened his recruiting a little bit more, and Carolina uh, jumped in hard. They just came off a of Final Four. Hubert Davis, uh, I thought, covering the ACC, which I do, did an amazing job of, of keeping his team together and, and then having that stretch run. So he commits to Carolina, and when he did, uh, there were rumblings that he was thinking about reclassifying at that time. Uh, my sources told me that Carolina asked him if he wanted to reclassify a couple of times. He didn't want to do it. He wanted to stay in the class of 2023 and be one of the best players and, and develop and grow and stay a high school kid. Um, and then he had some good outings, but he had a really strong outing at the NBPA camp in Orlando uh, at the end of June. In fact, you know, he was considered the MVP or the best player at the camp. And I think at that point, he spoke to some people, his dad spoke to some folks that said, hey, you know, if you go to college next year, you know, you can get into the NBA faster uh, and start your clock and, and get on your first contract and then get your second contract sooner, which a lot of the elite players think about doing if they're re ready and capable. Uh, so then at that time, though, Carolina already filled up their roster uh, with some players, Pete Nance being one of them, the transfer from Northwestern. So they they asked C.G. Jackson, do you want to reclassify? When he said no, they went out, like all programs do, and reload their roster. But now July comes, and he wants to reclassify. So South Carolina kind of fell back into G.G. Jackson. Uh, they have a new coach, of course, in, in Lamont Paris, who did a great job at Chattanooga, longtime assistant. I remember when he was at Wisconsin. And, and his mom went to South Carolina. So now they became a real viable option. And uh, the ability to reclassify is, is normal for a lot of the elite kids. But to go from one school to another in the matter of three months is, is kind of unusual uh, when you're reclassifying. But it's, it's a different story. It's a unique story. And now he'll be in the SEC. Which, Paul, leads me to my next question. And that is how... NIL, we've certainly seen it change the college front and this this whole conference realignment question. But for the athletes, uh, NIL certainly changed the equation. But how has that affected the way high school and AAU conducts themselves these days? Well, first of all, NIL is not eligible for every state. Each state association decides if their players can be NIL eligible. And so a lot of the high-level players that have a chance at opportunity for NIL uh, have thought about and some have acted on going to schools in other states where NIL, you know, is legal, per se. Um, and I think someday all the state associations are going to allow their kids to benefit off their name, image, and likeness. But right now some states are a little bit slower than others uh, adapting to it. So for recruits, they, they've moved to different schools. And when it comes to recruiting, um, sometimes that is the forefront of the conversation, which hasn't been in the past. And it's making, it's making it difficult for college coaches to decide who really wants to be part of their program or who's just looking for an NIL deal. Uh, in the past, right, colleges, you know, they would talk about playing time, style of play, what position you would play. And with some recruits in their families, NIL is, is the forefront of the conversation. And I think that's going to lead to a lot of transfers down the line because as opposed to players and families looking at, hey, this is a great fit for me academically, basketball-wise, and, and down the road with alumni, 
they're looking for what's being offered maybe uh, to the collectives of the alumni and uh, NIL situations. And I think that's going to backfire with a lot of kids, but it's new. Um, and you can't blame anybody for wanting more money, uh, but you still got to pay attention to your game, your points per game, right? Your assists per game, your rebounds per game, and uh, hopefully your GPA. Let me ask you this. Uh, the transfer portal. Uh, it seems to be the number one recruiting tool now for colleges uh, with sort of the high school scene on the back burner. Do you get that sense or what's happening out there? Well, if, you know, if you talk to college coaches, which you and I both do all the time, they're trying to win games for the next year. Years ago, you would say, okay, in year two and three, we can be really good down the road. When these kids become juniors and seniors, uh, that's not the case anymore. Coaches are building programs year by year now in a lot of cases. So the transfer portal helps that because you're getting an older, uh, more experienced, wiser player who's been through the system. Hopefully things just didn't work out in the other place and a new voice and a new opportunity uh, is all a player needs. Now, at other times when you're dealing with transfers, there's problems uh, that you've got to research into to make sure that you're not just taking somebody else's problem. Uh, but it is the first choice for a lot of coaches because they can help themselves immediately. And, and it's hurt the high school player in recruiting in many ways, as did COVID, COVID eligibility. A lot of guys can come back uh, still for the next couple of years. They can come back to their team or go to another team uh, because of the year, the year of COVID. Uh, NCAA has given everyone their eligibility for the last three years. So the high school player uh, has to be more mature, more focused, and more competitive than ever uh, to get recruited because the portal and uh, players coming back to the college game right now are the priority for college coaches. Right. So as we get set, Paul, for the new season uh, in 2023, you are telling me that for the Jersey Mike's Naismith National Player of the Year, the race is wide open. Absolutely. Take the field. It doesn't matter who's in it. Just take them all because, uh, you know, we have DJ Wagner as the number one high school player in the country. And, and in my mind, he is the best high school player in the country. But there are others that have, you know, better and greater upside in the game when you talk an NBA draft. There's other guys, Bob, that can be uh, big time college players in this uh, ESPN 100. So DJ Wagner Mackenzie Mbako is going to Duke. Ron Holland, who hasn't committed yet from Texas. Nobody plays harder than Ron Holland. He's 6'9". Robert Dillingham, interesting prospect. Didn't play great on ESPN the other night from Vegas, but he's going to Kentucky. Um, Sean Stewart going to Duke. I, I can throw so many names, but I'm going to give you a sleeper. Omaha Bilyeu. He just committed on ESPN the other night to Iowa State, a top 10 player in the class. NBA upside, meaning that the draft, the, the scouts that watched him play at the Peach Gym really liked him, and he dominates the high school game. You know, if he can continue to develop at Iowa State, uh, there's a name for your Jersey Mike's Player of the Year. Okay. Well, as you know, I'm spending the weekend with Fran Priscilla, the mayor of PBT, and uh, he knows a thing or two about the Big 12, so I will have to ask him about the newest clones. Well, you guys are going to be, and you have been, terrific on the TBT and 
tonight's Friday. We're going to watch you 7 and 9 p.m. on the mothership, and I think you said Saturday is the championship, correct? Yeah, uh, the semifinals, Saturday, 4 and 6. Championship next Tuesday night. Love it. Well, Paul Biancardi, this is why you are number one, buddy. You are our go-to when it comes to all this stuff. And uh, as always, you knock it out of the park. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. All right, Bob. Thank you very much. Hey, that's going to do it for this week. I'll be back in Atlanta next week with another update, and we'll see you then. Thanks for downloading and subscribing and rating and reviewing us. Helps us get the word out to college basketball fans everywhere. Until next week, from Dayton, Ohio, and for all of us at the Naismith Awards, Bob Rathbun saying so long.